The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. That horse. <laughs> muchachos y muchachos, bienvenido a la kickoff! <laughs> yeah, bacon is in disease to you too, Harry. I don't know the Spanish. I don't know the Spanish word for season, or I would have done the entire intro in Spanish. Wrong sport. And welcome to ESPN Ocho. Yes. We are officially living in the days of the Ocho. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you listen, everybody. And welcome to the kickoff here on the W2M Network. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the the traditional cast of characters is with me. The executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. What the hell? Where are all these lasers coming from? They from Vegas? (laughs) I don't get that reference. You will. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. It came from the black hole. Oh. One of. Man. You want to talk about a classless way to go. Then again, it's the. Our, our, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> yes, we will. Save the conversation. The co host turned executive producer, Brandon Biscabing. And next week, we will have a much better sounding show. According to who? Uh, according to me, because I'll have a I'll, I'll have a soundboard next week. Oh. oh, I thought you, I thought you was leaving us. No, nope. <laughs> don't tempt us with a good time. And the last voice you just heard there is the chairman of the W two M Network, Jason Teasley. Uh, stop bilingual bitches. <laughs> Jason's having a moment today. And speaking of having a moment, before we get started, I, 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 I have to. I have to rub it in. I'm sorry. I have to. I, I thought There's... you became Spanish for a second. You went, aye, aye, aye. <laughs> <laughs> One team from this show is going to the playoffs. You can suck it. Hey, at least you guys beat the Dolphins. You got that going for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like... Everyone doesn't beat the Dolphins. You do realize that beating the Dolphins actually hurts you in the long run. I, right? I know this. No, we're still it, the number two pick. Well, it was... No, t- technically you're the three pick because you'd be behind Miami now. Mm-hmm. You guys have the head-to-head tiebreak over them. Miami, Miami's playing Cincinnati this weekend. That's fair. Yeah, Any they'll probably get that win. That they could win. Speaking of which, um, it is week 16 in the NFL, week 15 here on the kickoff due to us having a scheduling conflict, and my Buffalo Bills have clinched a playoff spot. This is a wonderful time to be a Bills fan. No more biting my fingernails like my name was Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd back in 2017. Yeah, I remember what happened that week after. Just know that you could be facing another AFC South team. It, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Is this the... Fired. 
<laughs> is this the earliest the Bills have clinched the playoffs since the infamous 80s? Yes. No. 99. Oh, okay. Week we won 10 games in 1999 as well. We clinched a playoff spot week. I think it was week 16 in 99. Okay. So, so congratulations. You finally caught up to almost everybody else in the 21st century. <laughs> uh, they still haven't won a Super Bowl. That's why I said almost. Well, at least we've been to Super Bowls, Eric. Damn referees and Miles Jack and Foxborough well, and well, you know, just, the Jaguars haven't been around, you know, since a, since like the eighteen hundreds, like the Bills. So they they've got a lot lot less, you know, of uh, history to get to okay. Super Bowl. They haven't been as long, around as long as we have, but they're certainly more of a dumpster fire. We'll get to that <laughs> story as well a little bit later on in the show. However, we start the show how we always do with studs and duds. Eric, your stud. Last week, we went in depth about the most important game of the year, Army-Navy. And I do remember a couple of us picked the midshipmen against the spread. And for the 14th consecutive year, the under hit, which was a bit of a surprise. But there was one performance that really stood out. Malcolm Perry, Navy quarterback. We all know what he did in the snow two years ago. Well, he decided, while in a bit better conditions, he was going to one-up that. If I remember correctly, his final numbers were 304 yards rushing against Army. Yeah, I unfortunately did not get to see It was in that realm. Yeah, I, I did not get to see much of the game. I was helping out at a toy show with, for a friend of mine. But, yeah, Malcolm Perry went off like his name was Keenan Reynolds. First of all, just remember, you can't always have everything set on high. That hurts people in certain places. And second of all, you didn't miss much outside of that because Navy rolled, snapping their losing streak in a comfortable 31-7 win. Malcolm Perry, I, I salute you and you are my stud. And officially avoiding the deadly circle or golden or whatever kind of circle Eric called it last week here on the show. The circle of death. That's it. Thank you. You're welcome. Brandon. Brandon Stud. My stud for this week is one Drew Brees, who broke the all-time career touchdown record, as well as, I think it was the only quarterback to have a, a perfect pass QBR or something. I know he broke another record or something. I forget the what other right. The other record that he broke was single season, single game completion percentage. Right, okay. So broke both of those records in one game on Monday night. Congrats to Drew Brees. And he's still pissed that he missed it, that one pass out in the flat to the running back. Oh, of course he is. Jason, stud. Reluctantly, my stud is a guy that I criticize quite often. And tell him to get it together. And when he listens to me, he finally gets it together and has put up over 900 yards in the past two weeks. Yes, it's famous Jameis. Uh, he loses Mike Evans and loses uh, Godwin during this game. 
and still manages to put up over 450 yards passing. Rashad Perryman came out of nowhere and has emerged as a replacement receiver for both of Evans and Gill. But for the most bipolar quarterback in the NFL, I, I mean, I can't help but give the kid credit for throwing over 900 yards in two games. Okay, to be fair, this past weekend's performance was against Detroit, and I don't know who he played the week. I don't remember who he played the weekend prior. I want to say Arizona, but I'm not certain on that. But even still, when you're the first quarterback in NFL history to put up 450 yards in back-to-back games, that's saying something. And in kind of his defense, he cut down the interceptions, and he only threw one on Sunday. But let's see how he does against an actual NFL-caliber defense in the Houston Texans this Sunday before we start going praising Jameis that he's finally gotten it together. Who, who uh, said we're praising him? Bipolar, yeah, he's the most bipolar quarterback mm. in the NFL. I mean, he's, I want to say he's probably top five in touchdowns. Second in touchdown passes, and he leads the league in interceptions. Yeah, I mean, it seems like every other week we can either put him as a stud or a dud. And the fact two, that he's on pace for a 5,000-yard season. And he had two receivers over a thousand yards. One will miss three games. The other is going to miss two. And in week 14, he played the Colts, not Arizona. Okay, let me ask you guys this. Is Jameis Winston the starter in Tampa Bay next season? No. It, well, personally, it wouldn't surprise me if they give him another year simply because they can't really find anybody else right now. They're not going to pay him a tremendous amount, but they're going to find something. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think he'll be there because just simply because, you know, they're not in a position in the draft unless someone falls to mm-hmm. them. They're not in a position in the draft to where they're going to get a top-notch quarterback out of the draft. And who is there really on the free agent market coming up that they could pick up that would be better than him? Um, Two words. Two words for you. John Gruden trades for Winston. Gives a draft pick up. Winston goes to Vegas to be the starter in for the Raiders next season. I feel like that's a terrible. I feel like that's a terrible idea because yeah. of how much trouble he got himself in in Tallahassee. I'd imagine I that would only say, be amplified. I didn't say it was a good idea. <laughs> I just said John Gruden. Not yeah. to, not to mention you've got Derek Carr. <laughs> I, I think Carr's days are numbered. I I trust Carr a hell of a lot more. Than yeah. I trust so, oh yeah. So would I. Besides, do you have any idea the kind of number of buffets you can get crab legs from in Vegas? Really? The joke was there, and I decided not to take it, Eric. Yeah, uh, something that I had already done twice before we even came on the air. So, <laughs> my, my stud for the week is Julio Jones. 
this is not a surprise. Julio Jones is probably one of the three best wide receivers in the NFL still to this day. Let's be honest. The Falcons have been incredibly disappointing this season. Tremendously disappointing this season. Horrendously disappointing this season at times. Mm-hmm. But they stepped up against San Francisco this past Sunday in San Francisco and hung the third loss on the 49ers, handing the division lead in the NFC West back to the Seattle Seahawks. And Julio Jones was a big part of that. 13 catches, 134 yards, and two touchdowns, including the game winner with two seconds to go in the game on a slant route across the center of the field where he took a vicious hit and held on to the ball. And because you mentioned that, I'm going to change my stud to something me and Eric and all of us talked about previously. Change my dud. So, well, let's tuned. go ahead and let's go ahead and flip over to the other side. There, you've heard our studs. Now, our worst performances of the week. Eric, you're dud. Well, I had mentioned it in the top of the show. My dud are the Oakland Raiders and their fans. Yes, even though Gardner Minshew had the most glorious moment of seeing the most middle fingers he's ever seen in his life after leading a comeback win in the final game of, if I remember correctly, Rain Central Coliseum or whatever the hell it's named now. It's the still Raiders. It's still OCO to me. Yes, it, or Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. It, 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 for the Raiders on the field, you blew a halftime lead and gave up 17 unanswered. Then for the fans in the stands, giving a classic send-off, throwing trash on the field, and pointing lasers to pretty much anybody they possibly could on the field. To the point where the referee actually had to come out and tell fans to stop it. Yes, I understand it was a heartbreaker. Yes, I understand the magnitude of this game. And I was actually cheering for the Raiders to win just so they could send out the Bay Area on a high note. But really, y'all could have done better than this. And as far as for the Vegas part of my opener, that will be later. Did, did you see the video um, of a guy, like, breaking the seat out? No, I did not, but it wouldn't surprise me. Get them while you can. Yeah. Um, I, my official stance on that would be, isn't that like an every week occurrence in Oakland? <laughs> if we're back in the 70s, but then again, you had teams openly tailgating on the sideline during the game, so... It was just a different time back then. It, mm. it was indeed a different time. All right, Jason. Counter, Doug. All right. Um, I'm just making sure that I didn't, stay, I didn't pull a disco. So uh, my dad is uh, the batters in Vegas. For, um For the over and under lines getting completely blown up by the Philadelphia Eagles and Atlanta Falcons at the end of of their respective games. It wasn't the total that got blown up in the Eagles game, but continue. It was the the over-under. 
No, it wasn't the total. What everybody was pissed was about not. the Eagles was for the Eagles game against the Redacteds, that last defensive touchdown, that scoop and score on the final play, gave the Eagles a front door cover because the Eagles were favored by six and a half. Even with that last win, the Redacteds would have covered the spread. The Eagles did not hit the number at any point until the last play of that game. That's the first thing that pissed off betters. And then... Okay, let me the, point out something. If you bet money on the Redacted, you deserve to lose it. Continue, Jason. But the, the, glory, the glory that was the end of the Falcons uh, San Francisco game when the Falcons scored on that defensive scoop and score, the total was 50 before that. When they scored, that put it over at 51. Yep, it was a 22-17 game. Julio's touchdown made it 23-22. They went so, for two and did not convert. Right, because it would have been a field goal game. So, with just the two seconds left on the clock, they kick off. San Francisco, being in that area, they tried the Stanford Cal hook and ladder maneuver. And it the band went, is on the field! <laughs> and it went horribly wrong. Inside the 10-yard line, it attempts a cross-field lateral that lands... One of the special teams for Atlanta picks it up and goes in for a 29-22 final score. As Jason mentioned, that was the ultimate bad beat for the overhitting thanks to that play. I'm just going to say... Go ahead, Go ahead man. No, make it quick, Bisco. I'm just going to say I'll be talking more about Vegas later. I will point out that somewhere Scott Van Pelt smiled when that happened. I don't know if that was necessarily a smile or not, but I'm pretty sure both of those plays ended up on bad beats. All right, Brandon, who was your dud? My dud for this week is Josh Gordon for getting banned indefinitely for PEDs and substance abuse again. What is this, the third, fourth time? Fifth. Fourth. Yeah. Fourth or fifth. So, yeah, um, any chance he plays ever again? No. In the NFL, no. Yeah. Somewhere else, maybe. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, but, yeah, Josh Gordon, take this, Dud. Here's here's my thought process to this. There's more important things to some people than sports. There's more important things to some people than money. Obviously... Pot is more important to Josh Gordon. Obviously, drugs are more important to Josh Gordon than making a living playing professional football. And on a very serious note, somebody needs to get inside of his head and get his shit together before he self-destructs. I agree, because the fact that he's taken fog in there. But the fact that he's more of a hate. Yeah, and thankfully it's more green instead of purple, but that's beside the point. Thank you, Eric. The the, the fact that he's actually attempted 
to get help several times. That to me shows a little bit of effort and that he's trying. But personally, if I were Josh Gordon, I wouldn't even try going back into the NFL. I'd be like, I just retire and commit full time to making myself that much of a better person and fighting my demons every single day. Because clearly, he's in the middle of what could possibly be a very tragic, never-ending battle. And the more that he commits to fighting to save himself, the better off he will be in the long run. Like, we make a lot of jokes and stuff on the show. We have a lot of fun on the show here. The Josh Gordon story isn't funny anymore. No. I still find it amusing. It's the same thing with the Antonio Brown story now, because clearly there's something mentally not right with Antonio Brown these days. Mm-hmm. Hashtag no more white women 2020. <laughs> Eric does not stand these beliefs, however. No, in, uh, yeah, I got to end 2019 first. So there's that. <laughs> All right. Um. So, you know what other game that Vegas was possibly shitting their pants about? Cincinnati was giving New England fits. Oh, that would have been painful. For the first half. In the second half, well, the bungles continued to bungle for Burroughs. Just why? 13-10 Patriots at the half. 21-3, 21-3, New England in the second half for a 34-13 Patriots victory. Couldn't have done us a favor, Cincinnati. We couldn't have. See, it's okay. We, see, Cincinnati, you couldn't have really helped Harry out again. You did it before, and you also made our lives happy in the process. But no, just, just no, no. That's okay. We have a chance to make this right. Although we still need a little bit of help from... I, I can't call them our friends in Miami, but God damn it. If tanking for two, it doesn't mean anything. Then hopefully throwing out Tom will go dolphins in week 17. Hey, I mean, they got your former quarterback. You should know and have expectations with Fitzmagic. Hopefully, hopefully. That game is relevant come week 17, however, because if New England beats Buffalo Saturday, two days, recording this on Thursday, stuff happened. Um, I actually sent Eric a tentative title for the show, the kickoff, <laughs> season three, episode 15. It wasn't Bisco's fault. <laughs> we may stick with that, actually. <laughs> but... um. If Buffalo beats New England on Saturday in Foxborough, which admittedly is a tall task to ask, then that New England-Miami game is on the utmost importance to a Bills fan because of the fact that it could be Buffalo's first division win since 1995. Well, this is the season of miracles, Harry. We clinched the playoff spot before week 17 on the very last play of the game. I'm happy. All right. Besides, at least you won't have to deal with another 10-3 playoff loss. You'll get to score points this time. <laughs> you know what else you won't have to deal with? Ten of Eric victories this season. 
Yeah, we'll just have to deal with ten potential firings, which, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that more yeah. later. Oh, on yes, we tenth, will. On the tenth day of Christmas, the Jaguars gave to me <laughs> a bundling facility. All right, let's move on. That officially officially wraps up studs and duds. We move on to so that happened. And in the mother of all segues, (laughs) segway, Brandon. Uh, Yeah, so about those Jaguars, Eric. Oh, it's been a very, very, very tough week, to say the least. Um... They, they fired former Giants head coach and, uh, what was it, director of football operations? Senior vice president of football okay. operations. One Tom Coughlin has been relieved of his duties in Jacksonville. Yeah, care to mention why? Um, what was the full official reason? I have the story. I have the story okay. here. Oh, of course you do, Harry. Of course you do. Go right ahead. Sucks to be you, Eric. No, it only sucks because I'm stone cold sober right now. <laughs> Had we recorded this on our proper time, I would have at least been drunk, and this would have been a lot easier to tolerate. And, and I can even blame Bisco this time. So just, yeah. An official NFLPA report has come out that over one fourth of the grievances filed against the NFL against the NFL's um, operating systems, the, the teams and stuff, are filed by players against the Jacksonville Jaguars. <sighs> that That's surprising. I would have thought it would have been like the Browns or the Raiders or, or another oh, dumpster oh. fire team. Nah, oh, the Browns no. The Browns are too incompetent to get reported. True. But see, here's the thing. That all started after an arbiter sided with the NFLPA saying that the Jaguars could not excessively fine players for missing off-season workouts. Then it came out that one player was fined over $700,000 that the NFLPA recouped. Then Leonard Fournette came out and said the NFLPA recouped $99,000 in fines for him. Then Dante Fowler came out and said he was the player who was fined $700,000. And all of that surrounding the report that not only mentioned that over 25% of grievances the past couple years have come from Jacksonville players, but that report ended with the NFLPA saying, think about this very carefully when you have the opportunity to choose your next team. Which basically, in in, in essence, says don't go to Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, Brandon. Yes? I know we didn't do a Wednesday Night War podcast. Okay. Hell, we didn't even do a Monday Night War podcast. <clears throat> but you, we were wondering where Shad Khan was getting the money to fund AEW. Turns out he was taking it back from Jaguars players. <laughs> now, 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 here's the thing. In his defense, I am going to say this. This is about the one time Shad Khan has actually cared about the team because it's embarrassing. 
I understand you're going to fire Tom Coughlin. I understand you're going to be the guy to quite possibly fire Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone. But if you're recouping this money from players or trying to because a certain someone whose name rhymes with Mark Lamping has a whole bunch of issues in getting his shit together and making sure that people who are sponsoring the team actually pay you so you don't have to get all these fines and lose top-wide receivers. Do you not think he should be the one who should really be fired? Sean Conn, I'm not telling you how to do your job, but I'm saying connect a couple of extra dots. This leads me to an interesting question. And this uh, goes between both uh, football and wrestling. Between all of his uh, pet projects, what is the hierarchy for Shad Khan? Who, who's the top? Who, who? What does he care most about? AEW, Fulham, or the Jaguars? Well, his son is basically doing AEW, yeah, so he's not one hundred percent on that. But considering as how Hussein Naki is pretty much basically based in London and is the VP of international operations. I would say Fulham won, getting them back to the Premier League. Then the Jaguars, probably in a tight race with AEW. Probably. All things considered, it is, you know, we make fun of the Dolphins for their dumpster fireways. But the Mm -hmm. Dolphins were a dumpster fire on the field. With all due respect, Eric, you guys are a dumpster fire as an organization. I have said many a times to many a people, even shout out to Kenny, a Titans fan that I've become friends with. He and I talk a lot. There's one thing we say to each other, a trash division with trash organizations doing trash things. We just happen to be the biggest trash. Well, I mean, I wonder if this is the reasoning for why uh, Jalen Ramsey decided to get out of town. Part of um, it. Part I'm of 100% it, sure so. it has something to do with it, yeah. I would 100% believe that this has something to do with it because I wouldn't want to spend any more time around those facilities than I absolutely had to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, uh. Never mind. Never mind. I, I'm sure Jason probably knows what I'm talking about when I have a thought process right now, but yeah. <laughs> no, do tell, Eric. Jason? I'm staying out of this. Oh, oh, now you hang me out to dry, you <laughs> Well, well, I know you no, guys. No, you guys, the reason why I'm staying you, out of this is because I haven't been. I haven't been on on this recording for the last five minutes. <laughs> we're talking about what a tra- we're talking about what a trash organization the Jaguars are. Well, I'm not going. I'm not going to do Eric like that. They are a classy organization. <laughs> that is, oh no, bad. he's the one that's calling them out the most. I try to be a good friend. You know, maybe I know I know exactly what happened. Uh-huh. I'll make sense now. This just came out this week, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. See, 
They looked at the fucking schedule, seen that we booked that private tour. They knew there was some shit about to go down. And they are like, look, this is this is all kinds of fucked up. We need to get this shit straight before before, uh, before they get here. Because, uh, yeah, they're... Like I said, there there might be some special surprises on that tour. Let's exactly. That's why when I was saying what uh, <coughs> Harry was saying about spending time around the facilities. Yeah. Do they have a strip club? Never mind. No, they don't. However, there well, are a few good ones that are a little ways away. But <laughs> all right, let's let's move on here. So that happened, Eric. Okay, um, for all of the bad that we've talked about on and off the field in football, sometimes that there can be a little something that's good. Now, unfortunately, a lot of us can remember where we were December 14th, 2012. Mm-hmm. I happened to be at work that day hearing about all of the news streaming online and our whole part of the office was pretty much shut down as we were following the tragedy that happened at Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown. Fast forward to the seventh anniversary of that sad day. The uh, Connecticut... I hmm? I've seen this. I know what you're talking about now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Connecticut Double L State Championship game. The Newtown High School Nighthawks trying to capture their first state championship since 1992. 7-7 game, fourth quarter. Was a terribly foggy day with low visibility, but the skies were beginning to clear. On the last play, the drop back to pass. Just a little bit of a roll. Waiting time, back of the end zone, right in the corner, and a miracle catch as time expires. The jubilation in the blue uniforms, the throwing the helmet and celebrating and all the crowding around the field. Because those Nighthawks, on that anniversary, they made that play. They won that game. They have their championship. So now December 14th won't just be remembered as a day of complete sorrow, but a day of complete jubilation. You know what's something that's even more incredible about this story that I don't think many people have brought up, but I just thought of it. That was in 2012, seven mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. A good portion of those kids who were in that school that day mm-hmm. may very well be at that high school now. Oh, some and of them could have, very well be on that team. Yes, they did bring this up, and they were. Some of those juniors and seniors were in that school on that day. Mm-hmm. And a couple of the players actually lost siblings in that attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought it, they said I, I might have just misread it or something. I thought either the quarterback or the receiver was actually – what was actually uh, Sandy Hook kids? Mm-hmm. And they, uh, yeah, because I'm I'm pretty sure that like I'm pretty sure I I read that somewhere that like there was a there was a 
even a bigger connection than just the anniversary. It was actually the the receiver or the the quarterback was actually one of the kids that you know they was like that was featured. They they kept showing on like news and stuff. And like I said, I may have just mis misread it or something. No, I think you're I, right. I, I do remember that. They, because they kept bringing it up, and they even brought it up during Sunday Night Football because they had the team in the studio on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I think you're, you might be right, because they were mentioning that as they were going on some of the different shows, and uh, Scott Van Pelt even had them in studio when he mentioned it. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's a feel-good story, I mean... You know, we we do take some stuff serious here. Not not very much, but it is okay. So we know we, we, when to uh, say when. Mm-hmm. Remember that, sponsors. Remember that. There's there's a line that we try to draw here on the show. We get serious on occasion. There's a line we try to draw here. Violence against children will never be funny. No. Ever. The loss of young lives will never be funny. Ever. So for that community in the span of those fourth and fifth graders that were probably in Sandy Hook being able to take that team to its first national state or its first state championship there. It's it's like a it's like a completing the circle kind of moment. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those things, it's one of those types of stories that is just so incredible that it actually happened. It's the only, it, it's the type of story that most of the time you only ever see in pro wrestling because it can be controlled. It's Hoosiers. It's, it's, it's a made for, it's a made for movie script. Mm-hmm. It, it's Friday Night Lights. It's Hoosiers. It's Rudy. You know. Yeah. Remember the Titans, which... Unfortunately, the head coach of that school, who was remembered in that film and played by Denzel Washington, he recently passed away. He did. But we still remember him, so, you know, he's got that. Snow holds Bart. Snow holds Bart. It's, uh... I'm not putting that over. (laughs) Yeah, you (laughs) All right, Jason, what about your show that happened for the week? My son that happened actually could actually affect mine and Brandon's favorite team, the New York Giants. Um, at the Heisman ceremony, money, while Joe Cool was winning the Heisman, a certain story began to creep out, kind of overshadowing it. That being, Chase Young has announced that he is quite possibly returning back to Ohio State next year. Uh-oh. Multiple reports have came out saying that it's true. He will not go on record to say if it is true or not. It's become slight of a distraction. I think that I think the fact that he will not either confirm or deny is either the fact that he doesn't want to um, 
create a bigger distraction going into a potential national championship run. Or he doesn't want to let um, show, show his cards too soon uh, on on his decision and create a, um, a media circus before the draft. Real quick I here. Think, go ahead. Real, real quick here. I'll let you finish your thought there. I, I think the fact that he isn't saying anything yet is because of the fact that I think he's going to determine how what happens in the college football semifinal and if they make the national championship game, how his performances are in those games. If he puts in performances like he has in the original Wisconsin game, in the Penn State game, where he was basically far and away the best player on the field in both of those games, then he's going to raise his draft stock up enough that he's going to be a top five pick. He's going to be a – he's going to go for a major money call. It may, it may also be a situation – and and maybe this is me being you know a little too hopeful on these sorts of situations, but it may be a type of thing where, okay, if we win the national championship, I'm going out on top, and thus I'll go. But if they don't, then he says maybe I come back for one more year to get the natty. It's possible. I mean, if he does go out on top. It's definitely going to be like a Cardell Jones. It's like, I've won it. I've got this best sample size. I pretty much peaked. Now it's time for me to go to the next level. Now, I can be surprised why this story would be overshadowed because of Joe Cool and his Heisman speech donating or leading to, at last check, $350,000 in donations for a local Ohio food bank. So there's that. Yeah, and uh, that that food charity, uh, me and Harry have a sort of connection to it due to a independent wrestler from the same area. I'm not sure what charity we're referring to here. The food bank around Nelsonville, Ohio. Is that Remix? No. It is the home of one Jock Sampson. Ah, okay. The king of one night stands. Isn't that Eric? No, I'm just starting to enter the royal court. Give me a couple of years. He's more of a jester at this point. Anyway. (laughs) Not from what I've heard, because I haven't had any complaints. Although, granted, there are a lot of smiles on everybody's faces when I'm done, so... Eric, I have one thing to say here, and I'm going to leave it at this, because I told this story off-air, and I'm going to leave it that way. Coney on a wah! Coney on a wah! <laughs> All right, moving on. So, Jason discusses the college football playoff picture. I'm also going to discuss my, the college football playoff picture in my show that happened, because apparently... The wheels falling off the wagon aren't only a literal thing that's happening in Oklahoma. It's a metaphorical thing as well. Reports are coming out that multiple Oklahoma Sooners will be suspended 
for violation of team rules for the semifinal game against LSU on the 28th. At least three names have been dropped already, including starting running back uh, Perkins, I believe was his last name. As well yeah. as a couple of as well as a couple of reserve uh, defensive players. And the reports are out that it could be as many as four more joining them for violations of team rules. And I think it was popping on a uh, on a fist on a uh, drug test. Ooh. You're about to play arguably the most dominant team we've seen in college football all season. And you're now going to be without your starting running back, at least two of your defenders, and probably more. That oh. cowboy job, that cowboy job ain't looking so bad right now, is it, Lincoln Riley? <laughs> it's gonna be an awful great season to end one and done. But then who knows? You wouldn't worry about this so much if the reports I've seen about any possible expansion could be true. Dot dot dot. We'll talk expansion more once the season's actually over. We have to get through the rest of this season first, Eric. I know, but when they say certain conferences and their champions being left out and making changes, yeah, we're, we're well, going to bookmark that. Well, to be fair to that conference, if Utah hadn't blown it, then they would have been in. Uh, I'm not sure about those that. Those aren't the conferences I'm talking about in the reports that I've read. I Are you mention... referring to the American? No. I'm referring to a report that came out and that was just featured a couple of hours before we started recording. Possible CFP expansion would really ramp up if conference champions like the SEC or ACC were left out. So stay tuned. But the, I, here's the thing about that, though. The likelihood of that happening... To either one, yes, we talked about the potential of Clemson being left out if they had lost, but... They would have been out if they lost. Yeah, Yeah. but that's the thing. If the likelihood of that ever happening, especially to the SEC, is almost zip. The SEC I completely agree with, and the ACC, everybody better be thankful that Clemson reloaded and for the first time in the history of Rivals.com, Clemson has the top recruiting class going into the 2020 season. So don't expect too much change, but there's bubbling. And Spe- when there's bubbling, something's cooking. Speaking of Rivals and uh, and recruiting, um, I'm going to have a vested interest in one particular team uh this spring and and in and coming in the fall, I may I may have a college team this year. Oh, don't be such a gamecock about it! My God, I know what what a dick, right? Right. Ugh. Anyway, um, in the interest of time and the fact that we are recording this on a delayed short notice, uh, a couple of our members, a couple of the members of this panel have other things that they have to get to today, so we're going to try to keep today's show truncated. I am going to forego the I've got a question segment this week. Uh, I had a question. I know, for I know you had one, Jason, so I will let you ask it, but I personally will not be asking any questions this week. It's a it's a it's a simple one. It's nothing nothing major, nothing 
too is it's it's simplistic. It, it's not too in depth. Go ahead, ask your question. But have we seen the decline of certain perennial NFL quarterbacks this year? I'm pretty sure that this year has been some of the lowest numbers from Brady, yep. Rogers, Rogers, Rivers, Matt Ryan. I mean, have I, have I? I will say this. I think this year has definitely been a passing of the guard, if you will. In yeah, the that's NFL. what I meant. Where because, I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing more of the Lamar Jacksons. Mm-hmm. We are cocksucker in Kansas City. I, I won't give Robert Taylor the the benefit of me saying his name right now. You know what time uh, it is. Time. Russell, Russell Wilson. <laughs> okay, well, Russell uh, Wilson, I wouldn't exactly count as. That Russell Wilson is probably a part of that Matt Ryan class. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yes, Here's- I will say that, you know, the, the quarterbacks that were top of the class in, in the 2000s and, and in the, in the 10s have passed the, passed the torch off to the new generation this year. And within, I think probably two or three years, those guys will be retired and we will see a whole new breed of quarterback in the NFL. I saw a stat last week that frankly disturbed me. And it talks about the decline of TB12 up in New England. Oh, I've seen a few this morning, and it's just glorious. Did you know that Tom Brady's completion percentage this year is lower than Mitchell Trubisky's? What? Oh, yes. And if you even compare the statistics for this year between – Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson. Not only is Lamar Jackson more effective, has a higher passer rating, and has a higher QBR, but on 170 fewer attempts. And even the our average yards per attempt pales in comparison. Yeah, and as another stat, hashtag Squidbit, you had mentioned some of those quarterbacks, like uh, Philip Rivers and those. For the first time since 2004, the quarterbacks in the class of 2004 have accounted for less than 5% of total passing yards in the NFL. I'm going to throw one even. I'm going to throw a Teasley Tooper out there. Do you know that Lamar Jackson has more rushing yards this season than Tom Brady has in his career? Yes, everybody had the whole. That. Yeah, everybody had the whole TB one K joke when he crossed the thousand mark. And Jason, can I commend you, Harry? This is how you do things, and it not be gimmick infringement. <laughs> Just saying that for the future. <laughs> All right, I will make I will make you a little bit happier, Eric. You ready for this stat? Yes. Gardner Minshew's completion percentage is higher than Tom Brady's this year. Hashtag Florida man. But he don't need no Ugg boots. See, here's the thing, though, about this, and and I wonder if this is, I mean, I doubt it will. Um, 
because we've seen, you know, how people think of, of Brady and all of this. But the fact that they're still at the top of the AFC East and the fact that they more than likely still will make the Super Bowl just shows how I honestly think if Brady were anywhere else, he would not be the legend that he is. You're absolutely right because they're doing all of this with basically no offense, no pro bowlers. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Ravens have 12. And we're really going to find out because there's been more and more intimations and courses of action that's leading to Tom Brady no longer being a New England Patriot. I'm not going to say definitively. I hope that it does happen. He either retires or goes to another team. But the way that he is handling things personally and the reports coming out from the organization with what's going on, TB12 may be bye-bye-bye. All right, a couple of other quick stats that I think you guys will find interesting here in regards to Tom Brady's season statistics. Tom Brady's touchdown passes to interception ratio this season is 3-1. to one. It would be the lowest in his career since his rookie season. Tom Brady's quarterback rating is 86.5. Or excuse excuse me, his passer rating is 86.5. That has him 20th in the NFL right now. Yeah, and his QB rating is only 50.7. So you're looking at on that metric average. Get him outside of the pocket, and it's 39.6. Damn. One last statistic here real quick, and then I will we will move on from this topic here. I would agree with Jason's point except for one person. The man who, frankly, should be getting MVP talks and isn't getting any. Much the same way that I felt Bree should have gotten MVP talks last year and didn't get nearly enough. Do you know who has the best touchdown to interception rate this year, Jason? I'm I'm gonna say it's probably Mahomes. It's Aaron Rodgers at 24 touchdowns to two picks. Mm. Really? And a Green Bay team that is going to win the NFC North. They can clinch oh, yeah. it officially. This, mon- this Monday night against Minnesota. This is going to be a very interesting playoffs this season because what because of what we've been talking about through this whole question. It's going especially to be, in the NFC. Yes, it's going to be well in the AFC even more so I think because it's I going to be that like- battle between the old and the new. It's going to be Brady against Mahomes and and Jackson. Well, look at the starting quarterbacks for the teams that are probably going to make the AFC playoffs here. Um, Lamar Jackson for Baltimore. Tom Brady for New England. Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City. Deshaun Watson for Houston. Josh Allen for Buffalo. And then either Duck or uh, Ryan Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee because the Steelers and the Titans are the only other two teams in the AFC that have a chance to make the postseason. So the only really veteran quarterback in that list is uh, Brady. Real quick here. Technically speaking, 
Cleveland could still sneak in, but they'd need a shit ton of help. And if that happens, I'm going to send you all inappropriate video of me dancing naked. I'm sorry, but that's just them getting in. Did you not say they would win the division? <laughs> yeah, but I, I also... Hey, I, I'm still holding out on my three teams from the fucking NFC West, okay? Yeah, you really believe that and see how that's the Rams dead. are going to do on Saturday. That's, see how that gets you. The the Rams were mathematically eliminated on Sunday with their loss to the Cowboys, Jason. Oh, wow. Would you look at that? <laughs> believe it. Uh, I demand a recount. Uh, just as <laughs> fake news. Don't you go starting at that. Uh, Harry, can we go ahead and vote to impeach him and get the process of a fourth vote? Um, that depends. Does anybody on this show have an understanding of civics, unlike most people on Facebook? The no. house vote means nothing, you fuckwad. <laughs> but also, I'm just going to put this out. I may have been wrong on my NFL picks, but I did get my big college pick right. So I at least, I at least went 500. Even a blind ginger finds actually, an acorn or a correct pick one of these days. Actually, technically speaking now, for the season against the spread in Are You Serious, you're under 500, Jason. Well, I'm just talking about my goddamn Alabama pick. <laughs> and do I need to go back and tell you that I predicted the Super Bowl MVP? He, he's still clinging on to his Alabama pick. Yeah, they're just living in the past just like Cowboys fans. My God. I mean, I know. I mean, you might as well, we might have to bring Sean on here so me and him have something in common. You know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to move this show to the History Channel because all you want to do is talk about the past. Anyway. All right. um, Let's move on. Since we're talking predictions, this feels like the perfect moment to segue. I hate to do it, Eric. I hate to do it. But you know you gotta. Long live the new king. Different from the old kings. The I'm a survivor record is now seven. Courtesy of Jason Teasley. I had just got my aspirin perfectly on that couch. Damn it. (laughs) Let's go back to predictions. That are continuously right. That makes me the new leader. And seating you two. Ah, suck a dick. (laughs) Careful, because if the Browns make the playoffs, we might get a video of him doing that somehow. So, don't give him any ideas. Um, For the first time in four weeks, everybody's I'm a Survivor pick hit last week. Jason sets the new bar at seven. I'm at three. Brandon's at two. Eric is officially off of the schneid. Yay. (laughs) Don't sound so enthusiastic. All right. So in order of lowest streak to highest streak here, Eric, you go first with your pick for I'm a Survivor. Speaking of those Rams, in in a Saturday triple header, they happen to be playing in the Niners, who... Uh, let's face it, Atlanta was playing their Super Bowl, so we kind of expected that to happen, but I really think now that Jocelyn for number one seed is on the line, I do think the Niners were actually had a pretty good performance up until those last 
minute or so. So I, I really count on them, and especially with the Rams having nothing to play for except ensuring a winning season, which they've pretty much got on lock. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Niners on this one. They gotta fend off the Seahawks. Not to mention, I really don't want to start the process of the Vikings getting the number one seed in the NFC. Please put that nightmare out of its misery quickly. Uh, real quick question, Eric. Mm-hmm. One of the members on this show actually picked Atlanta against San Francisco in RU series. Do you remember who that was? I do remember very vividly. Ka-ching. Yeah, that's that same person told me to take Chicago so he can fuck off anyway. Look, look, I'm not saying that the methodology I gave you always hits. Over a little while, you know, that 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 helps. What's, what's the old joke? 70% of the time it works all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking Brandon. of, yeah, speaking of the NFC West, I feel like I should be going Good next way. anyway. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Seahawks over the Cardinals. Really going out on a limb there, Big <laughs> You know I, pay, I, I you know I picked that low hanging fruit. Yes, and it's bitten you square in the ass cheeks. I, I I know this. I, I understand. Low hanging fruit is often the most poisonous, Bisco. I'm just saying. So, postseason, huh, huh, huh? This is the time of the year where the teams that have the opportunity to step up usually do, and those that don't traditionally step up sit the fuck down. You know what team usually steps up this time of the year? The Pittsburgh Steelers usually step up this time of the year. Their coach, Mike Tomlin, has gotten a ragtag group, no Le'Veon Bell. No Antonio Brown this season. No Ben Roethlisberger for most of the season. No James Conner for most of the season. Very limited performances from one Juju Schuster Smith. Juju Smith Schuster. Thank you. That's all, folks. Anyway, I, I almost said that too, and then I said that doesn't sound right, and I changed it. Anyway, the Pittsburgh Steelers play the New York JE. Yeah, not doing that. Not even giving them the credibility here. And Pittsburgh understands that they have the Tennessee Titans nipping at their heels for that sixth and final AFC playoff spot. I trust the Steelers a lot more than I do the Titans going for that final spot. And I think the Steelers make a statement as they pound the Jets by 20 on Sunday in MetLife. Doc Hodges in the 21st century, due for a bounce-back game, but those Jets are going to be sniffing around. Fun fact, Eric. This actually could hurt you, this game. Did you know, Eagle Lander fact, that the Jets and the Jaguars have the same record? Yeah, it's like we're getting a not-good-enough-yet-too-mediocre pick anyway, so... (laughs) But my more concern is who the hell's going to be making the picks, not what picks we're going to have. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. 
dramatic postseason changes in Jacksonville. Apparently, oh, Black Monday is going to have so many different meanings. Oh, apparently the report is coming out that they are going to be fully cleaning house in Jacksonville this offseason. All right, Jason. You're at seven. You're looking to make it a half season. Yeah. Um, Eric, you know we're boys, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're friends and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I see where this is going and, already. And, and all the shit you talk to, talk about, you know, a blonde ginger finds it and, uh, and all that. You know what? Go fuck yourself because the Jags are going to lose to my, my I'm a survivor pick this week. And the Falcons are going to go on a two-game winning streak versus the hapless Jags. I it's indoors, so I mean, does yes. that? I see. So, I don't so know. You're, so you're banking on the Falcons not being incredibly let down after playing what they described as their Super Bowl last well, week. You're counting on. They're playing the Jags, so yeah, I have confidence. Well, see, I feel like this can go in two ways. I feel like either A, the Jags can be motivated by Coughlin's firing and everything, and then that spells doom for the Falcons, or it's just going to be more of a dumpster fire, and yeah, Jason may have a point. What happens if this game ends in a tie for the sake of the standings, Harry? Um... Then his streak would stay at seven. Okay. All right. Just, yeah. Because knowing everything in the football universe, the football gods would rain down from on high and just say, you know what? Why does this even matter? Bam. Tie game. Fuck <laughs> Everybody go home and get what you really deserve. <laughs> hey, Eric. Yes. Get it together. Uh, speaking of, you know, the things and getting it together in the, how they should, Janoris Jenkins, you do realize that uh, playing football <laughs> is a pretty good job, right? You do realize that people read tweets and things, right? Can I sneak in for a second here? Yes. I'm sorry, I'll let you finish. I just want to point out the irony of Jason going in on the Jaguars and then Eric immediately firing back with a shot at a former Giant. Continue. Yeah. Um, Segway! You, you know you can't use certain words and things on Twitter. You're lucky the Saints kind of need you and they picked you up and you're potentially going on a sneaky Super Bowl run. But for your own sake, get it together. I didn't even see what he tweeted. He called a fan a retard. Okay. Well, well the, fan, the fan probably was a retard. So, yeah. I mean, you know. Views and opinions of Jason <laughs> not necessarily people, reflect those of the W2M network. People need, to, people need to quit being so fucking pansy, pussy waste, cocksuckers. And grow a backbone and get a covered skin and quit thinking everything offends everybody because it doesn't. Your feelings do not matter. Nobody gives a fuck. Quit being a goddamn snowflake. 
So while, while Jason tells us how he really feels about the pussification of America, let's continue, shall we? Spoken like a true Trump supporter. <laughs> We're getting way too political on this episode. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, sponsors, remember what I said about us getting serious. Could you ignore the last five minutes, please? Thank you. <laughs> Brandon, get it together. My get-it-together for this week, well, yes, granted, what they said is true. It was basically their Super Bowl, and they were playing to win everything. 49ers, get it together. You should be able to beat the Falcons. I'm sure they will. I think Matt Ryan needed this one, though. I think Matt Ryan needed this game. I think Julio Jones needed this game to justify a actual reason for the season to finish out the season in Atlanta this year. I still think Ryan's one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think Julio Jones is one of the three best wide receivers in the NFL to this day still. Oh, yeah, I think, definitely. I think there are better times ahead for both of these players next season here. I'm going to go on the record and say that I had Atlanta as a, I had Atlanta as a wild card team when we did our predictions. At the start I think the I did as I, well. That's, there's a lot of talent in there. Dan Quinn is getting fired, plain and simple. Hopefully, whoever arrives in Atlanta will be able to work with Matt Ryan, be able to work with Julio Jones, be able to work with Austin Hooper, and actually turn that franchise back towards the respectability that it had seen towards the beginning of this decade, and not the course of three of the last four years where they haven't even sniffed the postseason. Jason, get it together. My get it together goes back to another segue we discussed earlier this where everybody was piling on to me about my pick of the Browns. Uh, My get-it-together is the Browns front office who have come out and said they stand firmly behind uh, Freddie Kitchen as their head coach. And I'm pretty sure that if you did look into the Cleveland sidelines, uh, you would find... uh, a reenactment of the water boy where Freddie kitchen is reading football coaching for dummies along with coach Klein. <laughs> uh, now, I mean, if they were really smart, since they have an affinity for wearing t-shirts, if I'm some of the Browns players, I would just warm up in t-shirts that say, come get me. That way you don't have to tell your opponent to do it. Everybody knows. I mean, um, the front office is like throwing uh, – uh, I'm sorry. I mean, with that much talent that you can't and you can't win, there has to be – well, uh, I just – I'm literally – have no words to, to try to justify this. Oh, I, I, have, I can justify it for you perfectly. Browns owner Jimmy Haslam is a Tennessee Volunteers booster. That says everything. Mm-hmm. I will, I will say, I will say this much. To be fair to our giant fan friends, Freddie Kitchens is making Ben McAdoo look like a good hire. Yeah, and that would bring back a segment. I wonder if they could go after McAdoo. Do you know the original talk is that they were going to last season, and God, would that have been appropriate with this team? 
They still I, might. I, think, I mean, I, I think McAdoo probably could have done a better job than Kitchens, and that's. I don't think there's coming, any question of that. And coming from a Giants fan, that says a whole hell of a lot. I mean, if they can't get Mike McCarthy, McAdoo would be at least for our benefit a great hire. Especially now that the lane trains rolled back into the SEC. So this could be this could be some foreshadowing. We we've we've got the lane train that's coming back. We could have McAdoo do. Um Eric. Let's say Cleveland loses their last two games. Entirely possible. Entirely Baltimore, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to have some fight in that last game of the season. Baltimore's about to whoop Cleveland's ass on Sunday. Of course, because they want Week 17 off. Six and ten Cleveland. Does Freddie Kitchens have a job next season as the head coach of the Browns? I would say honestly, because of the way they went six and ten, no. Now I would be the last person to say, oh, they should pull Rob Chudzinski and fire a first-year head coach, but they did Chudzinski dirty, and not everything that season was his fault. With Freddie Kitchens, a lot of this stuff can really circle back to him. But honestly, this is the one to where. The Browns, if they ever want to be relevant, really completely need to clean house. You're not going to get what you want out of John Dorsey, who was a bad hire as a GM, because he put Freddie Kitchens in place so he could control him. And Jimmy Haslam, let's face it, he's steering a rudderless ship and has not had a single clue of what he's been doing for years. So new ownership, new front office, pretty much everything from top down and then you have a chance. Otherwise, Browns are going to just brown. Jason, Cleveland loses its last two games and finishes 6-10. and 10. Does, ha- does uh, Kitchens have a job next season? Yeah, because it's the Browns, and um, they've already come back out and said that he's going to be back next season. They fully stand behind him and support him as their head coach. I think... I think it'll take at if if they don't produce next year. I think then there's some there's some uh, there's some cleaning of the house to be done. But I think he gets a slide this year because it's a new system and everything. Uh, and you know, I I think he makes it through this year unscathed. I don't I I. Don't feel that if he doesn't produce next year that he's he's still employed. Brandon, real quick, same question. Browns lose their last two games, finish six and ten. Is Freddie Kitchens the coach at the start of the season next year? With how much of a dumpster fire they are, I have a feeling that that he probably will because I think it's a lot like uh, Jason Garrett in. Dallas, where for whatever reason, no matter how poorly he does, because he's gotten them a little bit better and they're not a complete dumpster fire, it's like, okay, we're going to stick with you for now until it gets basically unbearable. Yeah, but you can only clap on and clap off so many damn times before everything breaks. Well, that's... That's why I'm saying it's a dumpster fire. 
I'm saying that if they end up six and ten, if they don't at least split their final two games, like Baltimore, they have to expect to lose this game. I don't think there's any question. Mm-hmm. It, that it, if they don't beat Cincinnati, I think Kitchens gets fired at the end of the season. And if Kitchens does stay, then he guaranteed has the hottest seat in the NFL at the start of the season next year. And I would not be surprised if they get off to a bad start next year if he's not fired by the halfway point. That'll be next season's conversation to have if he makes it that far. We'll talk about that when we get there. I have my get it together here before we get to our final Are You Serious picks for this particular episode. All right, let's talk about my get it together here. You just mentioned Jason Garrett, Jason. I didn't. No, I I mentioned Jason Garrett. Oh, excuse me. I apologize. Zoned out. Don't ever disgrace me like that. Brandon, you just mentioned Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. You know what Jason Garrett just did this past Sunday, right? Yeah. He beat the defending coach of the year. Uh-huh. The Los Angeles Rams. And not only did they beat the Rams, they fucking embarrassed the Rams. They hung 44 on the Rams. Wade Phillips should just be disgraced from himself. How are you going to let Kellen Moore do that to you? Mm-hmm. 44-21 in the game that officially knocks the Rams out of the postseason. Sorry, Jason. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> hey, Rams. Sean McVay. Get it together. There is way too much talent on this team for you guys to be outside of the postseason. I don't care that San Francisco is as good as they are this year. I don't care that Seattle is basically the model of efficiency in the NFC. There is too much talent for you guys to be sitting on the outside looking in when it comes to January. Get it together. Well, I mean, these things happen. Do you realize we could end up with four teams in the NFC with the exact same record at the end of the season? That hadn't happened since 1974. That's why seeding was created in 75. I mean, to to be fair to the Rams, they've had a good season. It's just that the NFC West has basically been, you know, they it's been the best division, so they've basically just been destroying each other. So the team that has done the worst out of those three, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs because they have a couple of losses against your your division opponents. Yeah. All right, I'm, I got to curtail the conversation here. Uh, Jason has to bounce. He has to get ready for work. But before he does so, Jason, your Week 16 Are You Serious predictions. College bowl game prediction. I'm taking Kent State plus six. Uh, I, and then I, for, I have six and a half. Yeah, I have six and a half. Uh, I, uh, when, when I was looking yesterday, it was a six. So, hey, I'll take the, I'll take the extra half. Tropical. <laughs> Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. They play Utah State Aggies out of the Mountain West. Oh, boy. You're betting Maction. You haven't learned from my mistake, have you? <laughs> and your NFL pick, Jason. I'm actually, I think I've fallen and bumped my head, but I am taking Oakland plus seven. Against? 
fuck? I don't know who the hell they're playing. Hold on. <laughs> I had to, you, made, you asked the hard questions. <laughs> Oakland is playing the fuck? The Chargers. Okay. No, they're going to lose. All right. Thanks, Jason. Go do what you got to do. We'll talk to you next week. All right. If anybody needs me, TurkeyGlue822 on Twitter. I won't answer your questions, and I'll probably tell you to go fuck yourself. That's the chairman of the W2M Network, Jason Teasley. All right. He'll be back next week. Okay. Let's get back to the uh, our predictions here. Unless you guys wanted to continue the conversation real quick about um, – unless you guys want uh, the only yeah. other little nugget I was going to add, remember the Bucks went during the Josh Freeman era where they went 10-6 and six but missed the playoffs. Same situation. That year the Falcons happened to be 13-3. and three, The Saints happened to be 11-5. and five. They just had a bad time to have a good year. Mm-hmm. Similar ask, thing with the Rams this year. Let me ask you this, Eric, because I feel like this would be something you know. What's the best record a team has ever had and not made the playoffs? I want to say 11-5. and five. Oh, wow. I was going to say 10-6. and six. I would think in the days where it was just like the conference champions and stuff that maybe a team that went like 11 and five or so probably got left out. True. Yes, but if you but even as recently, remember when Tom Brady had the broken leg, the Patriots missed out on the playoffs and the Dolphins won the division and they were both 11 and five. And it was a crazy situation with tiebreakers. But Mm. yes, if you're actually going back that far to where pre-Super Bowl era, the best record to miss the postseason of any kind were the Baltimore Colts, who finished 11-1-2, but lost the divisional tiebreaker to the Los Angeles Rams, who lost to the Packers. Hmm. Hashtag squid bit? <laughs> Hashtag squid bit. There you go. All right, let's move on to our predictions for Are You Serious here. Jason, as he mentioned for his college pick, is taking Kent State plus six and a half against Utah State. Okay, disclaimer. Due to the fact that most of these games did not have lines that were qualified by our traditional standards, I put out the caveat that you are to pick the team that you think is most likely to pull the upset. The other part of that is is that the game had to be played before next Wednesday, which realistically would be our next record date. We're obviously not recording on Christmas Day. The show will be recorded on Thursday next week. Brandon, college football. Are you serious? Oh, I'm very serious. Um, Eric, remember how you were talking about Vegas and lines and everything? Uh-huh. I think I found the most blatant the most blatant example of Power 5 bias in the history of Vegas. I think I know where you're going because I was tempted to pick this one myself. How the hell does a 7-5 and Washington team, unranked, mind you, be minus 3.5 over a ranked 12-1 Boise State? If that doesn't smell Power 5 bias, I don't know what does. Is this Chris Peterson's last game? It is. Chris Peterson has announced that he is stepping down as the head coach of the Washington Huskies. Interesting fact, he was actually the head coach of the Boise State Broncos before he became the coach at Washington. So, I mean, 
yes, you could add that caveat in as a potential uh, excuse for why Washington may be favored because of that added, you know, incentive. But still, this is a ranked one-loss Boise State team against a five-loss Washington team. I'd take Boise State all day. Eric? That, that, that was a little bit surprising. And like I said, I nearly took that game. And even with former Georgia quarterback, like Jacob Eason, to me it didn't smell right. But there was a line that I found that was even more intriguing to me. Because when I was looking at this, I was also looking at the teams and their records and to see if there was any extra intrigue behind it. And I found one that checked all of the boxes. The FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl, which, where the hell is this even being played? Orlando. Oh. Oh, in a soccer stadium. Okay, now this makes even more sense. Yeah, Hugh Freeze, Chair and All, Liberty plus four against Georgia Southern. Simply because it would make a lot of sense. Remember Uh, what happened last time uh, Georgia Southern played a very good team. And Liberty is not nearly as good as... uh, I I think it was... What was it? App State? No, it wasn't App State. I forget who it was that I picked them to win and they won. uh, It was App State. Yes. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, um, remember. Georgia Georgia Southern hung the only loss on the App State this year. So, yeah, Um, remember that. With all all due respect, Eric, Liberty about to get blown the fuck out. Mm -hmm. Again, I would normally say that, but in the craziness that is now Liberty Flames football, who knows? You know why I say Liberty about to get blown the fuck out? Why? Because Liberty went seven and five this year, but two of those wins were against New Mexico State because of their home and home arrangement. A New Mexico State team that I will let everybody know beat UTEP, who had one win, and Incarnate Word, who was an FCS school. In Incarnate Word, they played Baylor next season, if I remember correctly. My point being is this is a Liberty team that went five and five when they weren't playing New Mexico State. And I think one of those wins was an FCS team as well. Okay, so they went seven and five and Georgia State had a great moment. They also finished seven and five. I'm telling you, bold games always bring out that craziness. Georgia Southern, Georgia State plays like January 6th. Yep. Whatever. This you, is why you meant we need to play off. <laughs> too, too, too many teams in the Sun Belt making bowl games this year. That's Not problem. to mention, if both of them are featured in the bottom ten at some point, do I really have to try to distinguish them? <laughs> Georgia State, not Southern? Exactly. Hmm. <laughs> uh, one of these days we're going to have... You know, we don't usually do guests on the show, but if we could arrange the bottom 10 guy to be on the show, Ryan McGee, I feel like we should make that happen. Oh, God. Maybe we can parlay that to an appearance on Bottom 10 Game Day Nation. Mm. If ever 
anybody would join him on that, it would be us. Guess what, Eric? What? It's time for more Maxion. Oh, God, <laughs> not you, too. <laughs> but I'm betting against the Mac. Well, that would be smart. The very first bowl game, actually. Are you taking Tomorrow, Charlotte? I am. Tomorrow, Friday, December 20th, the Makers wanted Bahamas Bowl because, of course, these two teams had to go out of country to play this game. Why the fuck not? <laughs> I am taking Charlotte plus six and a half over Buffalo. Look, somebody had to play in the Bahamas, and they get treated to a great forecast of wind and rain. <laughs> that could be worse. It could be hurricane. It's oh, better in the Bahamas. I'm surprised that the total is still at 52. Y'all really need to hammer the under on that. <laughs> and I'm saying that as someone who has family in the Bahamas. I'm well, that'll depend on if the weather will clear up by tomorrow. No, that's for tomorrow's forecast is for a lot of that wind and rain. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Charlotte because this Buffalo team has been bipolar. Speaking of Buffalo teams, Segway! That one felt good. My official NFL Are You Serious pick this week is Buffalo plus six and a half against New England. I can't <laughs> talk given my pick. I because can't. Because why the fuck not? What can I say? You know what happened? Last week I picked Buffalo straight up and I'm a survivor. And the Bills clinched their first playoff spot. Well, in two years because, you know, it's, it hasn't been 17. But the Bills clinched their first playoff spot before the last week of the regular season in 20 years. And that was a wonderful thing. Eric's, or Jason's pick, as he mentioned, was the Chargers, or the Raiders, excuse me, plus six and a half as well. Seven. Seven. Against the Chargers. I think that's going to end up wrong because yeah. I think Philip Rivers is going to be pissed off. All right. Brandon, you're up. Uh, yeah, my Are You Serious pick uh, for this week is going to be the Monday night game. Of course it is. Packers, Packers plus five and a half over the Vikings. How are the Vikings a five and a half point? That, that, that's, what I, that, that's what I was thinking. Now, granted, it's in, my, or it's in Minnesota. So that it's in means... Miami. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's in Minnesota. So that may be part of the reason for why, but still, I agree I don't with you, Eric. If it's in Miami, Minnesota, <laughs> or otherwise, it's dark, it's on television, and Kirk Cousins is a starting quarterback. That's usually <laughs> not a good sign. We, I, I'm taking the very easy um, Vegas, what the hell are you thinking picks this week? Again, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I think Vegas is just mad after last Sunday. He's like, you know what? What's even the point anymore? Just going to keep losing money if we get this right. So just here. Y'all bet however you want. <laughs> I'm a homer. You're a homer. He's a homer. We're all homers. Yeah. yeah. Eric? 
Yeah, the reason why I said I couldn't talk about my pick, and um, rather than Jason hedging his bets himself, while I'd love to create a Polish middle, I really necessarily can't because, yeah, the Jaguars against those Falcons plus seven. Simply because Falcons played their Super Bowl, Florida man in Atlanta, and why not? At this point, what do you have to lose? I would say self-respect and dignity, but those already went out the window this season, so... Actually, funny story, Mr. Watkins. You won last week. Mm Mm-hmm. Because both of your games hit straight up in addition to against the spread. Oh, I know. I know. Thank you, Julio Jones. Go eat a dick, Chicago. Look, again, I'm sorry. The one time I thought Trubusky could have done something, and again, the whole thing with the spreads worked. Just not this time. You're officially dubbing him false bisky. More like true bench ski, but he's got to actually continue to stay benched. So, yeah. Um, Brandon, I'm a little disappointed. Why is this? Duck Hodges remains the starter in Pittsburgh this week. Yeah. There is no Rudolph the Red-Nosed quarterback. Yeah, I know. I'm disappointed I didn't get to do any of my uh, Christmas references this year. On the plus side, you know who an honorary uh, quarterback coach in Pittsburgh is right now? Burger Roethlisberger? Burger. There you go. You're welcome. Thank you. And and he's primed to come back in 2020, so there's that to look forward to. Yeah. Let's hope that he doesn't get injured again. True. I think that wraps us up for the week. Do we have any other things that we need to touch on? Mm, nope, don't think so. Not on, but I'm good. <laughs> I, I didn't have to drop one this week. Uh, I, 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 just for you, Eric. Family show. <laughs> we have to keep the streak going. We have to at this point. <laughs> How many times have I already given you the under? <laughs> A lot. By the way, Brandon, yes. to boast your pick for Green Bay over Minnesota on Monday night, mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook unlikely to play for Minnesota. Okay. There you go. At, at this point, they're going to play wild card weekend anyway. Why don't they just sit them out the last two games and let them be ready for the wild card game? Yeah. That would be a good idea. That would be smart. I mean, you already know. It's the same thing with Buffalo. Is why risk getting somebody like Frank Gore hurt in the last week of the regular se- in the last two weeks of the regular season? Why risk getting somebody like Josh Allen hurt in the last two weeks of the regular season? The only- that, that, that that would piss off so many uh, fantasy fans, though, because this is championship week. Not to uh, mention, the Bills have something greater that they could potentially play yeah, for. Yeah. So. That that would be a reason to keep them in this week. If we lose to New England on Saturday, and let's be honest, completely realistic probability that we will. Mm-hmm. The game is Foxborough. If we lose to New England on Sunday, 
every single one of them some bitches better sit out against the Jets. Mm-hmm. Oh, I completely oh, agree. Yeah. Completely agree. No reason for them to risk getting hurt, even if the game is at New Era. Mm-hmm. All right. For the absent chairman, Jason Teasley, Eric Watkins, Brandon Biscabing, I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been The Kickoff, Season 3, Episode 15, here on the W2M Network. We are a presentation of the W2M Network online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite iTunes, on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. Eric, go ahead. Take this one. And the NFL PA are dicks. <laughs> I was going to blame it on Mark Fleming, Lemon, whatever you said his name was. Well, Mark Lamping is a bigger dick, too, but it's not like he's actually going to go anywhere, so. <laughs> Which is ironic. He's a bigger dick with a smaller Anyway. Have you seen how much that guy weighs? It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. But then again, I have seen stranger things on Pornhub, so you can never really tell these days. I think you need a second one. He he just he was asking for another one, so I had to give it to him. Yeah. That's she said. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next Thursday with the post-Christmas episode of the kickoff. College football semifinal predictions here for you next week. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys on next week's regular season finale edition of the kickoff here on the W2 Network.